Psalm 39, prayer for wisdom and forgiveness to the chief musician, to Jedithan, a psalm of David. So interesting that uh, David is writing uh, to someone new here in this, um, a guy named Jedithan. And Jedithan, as you read First and Second Chronicles, was one of the chosen leaders, uh, a musician who led worship in the tabernacle. And uh, just we'll scan a couple verses here. First Chronicles sixteen forty one, it says that uh, Jedithan and the rest were chosen, designated by name to give thanks to the Lord because His mercies endure forever. A little bit down there says that he would sound aloud trumpets and cymbals and musical instruments to God. And then the sons of Jedithan were gatekeepers. So we see that he was a musician. He was a guy that helped lead the worship. And then his sons, as well as others' uh, sons, uh, were gatekeepers and worship leaders. First uh, Chronicles 21 uh, says that uh, David... Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for service some of the sons of Jedithan who should prophesy with harps, strings, instruments, and cymbals. And then 1 Chronicles 25.6 says that uh, Jedithan, if you look halfway down, or it's actually towards the end, was under the authority of the king. So here we have King David writing this uh, hymn uh, for Jedithan to use. Jedithan is under the authority of King David. And then uh, 2 Chronicles 35, 15, halfway down, Jedithan was the king's uh, prophet or the king's seer. So a little bit of an idea of Jedithan. Anyone having babies? You can, uh, it's a great name. Uh, <laughs> Jed, that's where Jed comes from, in case you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> sorry, John, Jonathan? No, Jedithan, oh, Jedithan. Do you have a lisp? Oh, okay. Verse 1, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth. Jedithan's thinking, wait, what did I do to you here? Um, David, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And so uh, keeping our mouth secure, David leads us an example of that and observing ourselves in our speech so that our language and our speech doesn't lead us into a sinful place. And um, we're going to be reminded of James in our study. You know, this last year we went through James and uh, we did, I don't know, probably three different studies on the tongue. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that tonight. But just as our psalm this last week started out a reminder, Psalm 38 was a reminder it's just good to be reminded, isn't it? Like, is there any one of us that's just like, I have the most pure speech and the most wholesome. I am nothing but edifying, and I never sin with my mouth. Yeah. Besides me, um, no, you guys, we all need this, right? James 3 says, even so, the tongue is a little member. What did one guy write? A 2.5-ounce slab of mucous membrane. <laughs> you know, it's a little member that boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It is a world of iniquity. It's just like flat out, it is that. Without Christ, our tongue is a fire, a world of sin. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. 
For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God or similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So uh, just good, good reminder for us tonight. Uh, James, that shoe leather Christianity book, started out the, cha- uh, the book in 126 by saying, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So the way we speak isn't the test of our genuine faith, but it is a test. And in the same way that you know, every animal under heaven can be, can be I mean, you've even seen on YouTube or on Facebook, little lizards with bits and bridles and little pretend horse saddles on. <laughs> uh, you know, and we got the stallions, we got the beasts. I don't know what YouTube you guys are watching, but we've got beasts, these stallions that they've got all kinds of different bridles and bits and different types of reins and different type of saddles and straps. And these animals can be brought under our control to do marvelous things. And yet, you know, our tongue, we almost need like an orthodontist to just go in and ha, you know, put something on it to muzzle us, uh, to restrain us. Uh, he says, I'll muzzle my, uh, my mouth. I will uh, restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Uh, literally, it means a lip covering. And so, you know, if you're one who's prone to sin with the mouth, just put a little lip covering on there um, to guard your mouth and keep it secure. And that's, you know, a, a good practice is just, you know what, I just need to be quiet right now. Um, and to say, you know what, you just need to be quiet right now. <laughs> to, our wives help us out with that, don't they, men? Like, you just, you guys ever get the, just the hand on the leg thing? It's just like, you've done enough, Rory. It's time to just stop. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe a little every now and then. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know what, Ken, when it's your turn to teach the Bible study, we'll let you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You can have your illustrations, I'll have mine. No, I'm kidding. Oh, see, did you see that? I got hit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stood up. Now, uh, stirred up. Now, notice verse 1 ended that this muzzle and this restraint was while the wicked were before me. So in this case, there was something going on that was just frustrating and just causing venting to happen. And venting led to gossip, leading to slander, leading to just, you know, negativity, you know, so on and so forth. Sinning with the mouth. Uh, It was time to muzzle. It was time to be muted. Push the mute button on David. Um, And notice he even held his peace from good things. Like... And it was probably because he wasn't seeing any good things to talk about. You guys know the old saying, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? Your mom taught you that one. Well, that's probably where David was at. Like, I got nothing good to say. I'm not talking at all, right? Um, The ESV says, 
I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. And so at first, there's this time of just total quiet, and it's just, we're going to see in just a minute, there's a burning that's going to be happening. He's just frustrated. He's going through something where he just, he's got to give it to the Lord, as we'll see in just a little bit. Uh, The NIV of verse 2 says, So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. Verse 3, my heart was hot within me while I was musing, or I was enraged every time I would think about it and meditate upon it. My anguish would increase. Um, The fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. And... uh, it's interesting, though, that as I was studying today, I was looking up that word then, you know, so now he's going to talk, and I was, as uh, I was studying, I found that this is in the perfect tense, which in the Hebrew, there's no timed tense, so there's no past, present, or future in this verb here, the way he spoke, uh, it, but it speaks of, it just came about, you guys need to know, he went to speak. And it's just interesting as you're, as I'm spending time studying, I'm like, wait, when did he say it? Who did he say it to? And as you just read it, he spoke to the Lord. Uh, and so that's where the, the, the voice was directed to now when he finally came to a time to speak. And he, this is what he spoke. Uh, Lord, make me to know my end or cause me to know my limit. And what is the measure of my days? that I might know how frail I am. So picture a time, you guys, where you've just been hot, enraged. The more you're quiet and thinking, the more just like it's stirring up within you. And have you ever had that where kind of the, the thing that the Lord puts on your heart is how temporary your life is, um, how frail your life is, how frail it is like that you're not perfect, but not only how frail you are as a person, but how temporary you are as a person. Um, Cause me to know my limit, he says, the measure of my days. Uh, In one sense, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time with this, you know, anger that I've got going on here when I'm watching the wicked. Um, All throughout the scripture, we see like Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we could gain a heart of wisdom or Deuteronomy. Oh, that They were wise that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Um, Or Ecclesiastes, this is one of my, this is one of my um, funeral verses that I start my funerals out with, that it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. So David's not praying like, help me to know the date and the hour that I'm going to crash and burn and die. You know, like the Lord doesn't have that for us to know. But what he does want us to know is our life is temporary. And Lord, cause me to remember that I don't have tomorrow. Like I really don't. And you guys all know people that have died prematurely and died young and died very young. Uh, I don't have, you know, my dad died when he was 47. And I remember when I thought that was like, (laughs) like, oh, that's ancient, you know. And now I'm 33 going on 34 here and I'm like, man, imagine if I only had 13 years left, you know, Uh, that's not very long. Um, You know, each one of us, you know, we are going to be burying each other, you guys. And for some, it's going to be sooner. For some, it's going to be later. 
praise God, we've got each other, right, to be, <laughs> to be there in those times. But frail. Our life is frail. He says that I could know how frail I am. I need to know this, uh, how fleeting I am. There's wisdom in knowing our frailty, that we have a limited time here for a few things. First of all, to be made right with the Lord, to be cleansed from our sin, uh, to use our lives for the purposes that they were created. I know just for me and just Nepal and people that are up in unreached people groups up in the Himalayas that you've got a trek to get in there. I'm like, man, my physical strength ability, I've only got like a time clock on it to where I'm not able to get up there anymore. Uh, I was trekking with my father-in-law who's 53, you know, and he's way more in shape than I am. He's the mountain goat, you know. But, you know, he's even like, man, I, I want to be used while I still have the energy to, to be used. So as I'm in sin, as I'm bridling my mouth, as I'm bridling the other things that cause me to sin, Lord, my time is short. Let it be used and spent um, for you. Um, the world and the enemy and Satan, they want to lie to us and tell us we've got plenty of time, plenty of time. And don't you feel that we don't? <laughs> don't you guys feel that? Um, Verse 5, indeed, you've made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but vapor. One commentary says, his prayer is answered in his obtaining an impressive view of the vanity of the life of all men and their transient state. And so he's praying to the Lord, cause me to know my end, how frail I am. And by verse 5, the Lord has shown him. Indeed, you've made my days as hand breaths, which means it's only a span of time. It has a limit. It has an end. Um, if you've ever sat under any of my teachings, especially recently in James, you know that hand breath is not a unit of measurement. As I broke from, it's not even a word, actually. You might remember a Sunday morning, I'm like, how God shows us that our, it's a hand breath. <laughs> That's how long our life is right there. I don't know. Somebody went to welding school and not to, okay. It's not hand breath, everybody. It's hand breath. <laughs> Same thing, though, really, when you think about it. Uh, did you hit me? I think I felt a hit. Time to move on? Okay. Hand breath is not a unit of measurement. Okay, moving on. But Psalm 90 says, the days of our lives, anyone convicted here? Watch the little days of our lives here today? Okay. Uh, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they're 80 years, yet their bo uh, boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So, you know, the Bible kind of shows us our limit. Like average lifespan, 72, or, you know, 72 years, I think it was a while ago. I think it's getting up. You know, we're, we're doing better, right, Doc? How are we doing? Doing okay? You're like, not you, Rory. I've <laughs> oh, what? Oh, arguing with me, huh? <laughs> it's gone down, really? We're, are we in the 60s now? No, we're not in the 60s. Oh, phew. good. Yeah, man. So, uh, man, 70, at, you know, 80 at best. You know, man, you're lucky. My grandpa's moving on 95 right now, but... Um, it's a miracle. Um, and uh, James, 4, uh, James 4 nearly echoes um, this psalm, uh, the book of James, really. Um, but our life is a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. And, uh, and so that ought to 
bring a sobriety in how we live our life and bringing everything we do before the Lord, in this case, in how we uh, conduct business. So sorry, Janan, jumping around a lot there for you. Okay. Verse 6, surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. And, you know, this isn't a permission to be like, woohoo, I'm free man. I'm going to go, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. But, uh, but our time is short. We've numbered our days. We know the Lord is like, we've, we're limited. There's a span there. And so the things in my life that God's given me and that I've obtained, uh, I should be living my life not encumbered by them for the kingdom. Okay, so uh, I do have a wife and I do have a marriage and I obey the scriptures as far as loving my wife, cultivating my marriage, using it, you know, my children and all that for the kingdom and making disciples and and so many wonderful things. Children are a heritage and so much good. But when that is, becomes a quicksand and a mire to pull me back from the mission God has for not only me, but my family, uh, then there's something wrong there. It's out of balance. And my family has become an idol to me. Um, and so uh, those who are weeping, the time is short. So we should be as if we did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. Those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. So uh, our life is a vapor, our life is a shadow. Don't busy yourself for worthless stuff that's not going to last. If you're going to busy yourself with your family, busy yourself with lasting things with your family. If you're going to busy yourself with your home, use your home as a tool for the kingdom. Um, and, and various, you know, it goes on with everything in our life there. Uh, he heaps up riches and he does not know who will gather them. So not only do we see a bit of James in this chapter, but we also see some Ecclesiastes in this chapter. Uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to go through it, but uh, the, the writer, uh, Solomon, tells us that, you know, one thing he did with his life was he built up business and he built up, you know, his kingdom. And then he says, but you know what? When I die... Who's going to take over my kingdom or who's going to take over my business? Um, maybe my kid at best, um, but you know, my kid or my grandkid, they're going to squander it. They're going to squander it, you know, and uh, we see that with, you know, the empire here in Prineville that we're all familiar with, that everyone has gotten so frustrated with. And we see it with other businesses where men set their hope in that industry that they've made and it might, you know, they, they're up all night, they're up all day, they neglect their family, they neglect their relationship with the Lord, uh, they ne- neglect the mission of God, and they build up their empire, and then they die, and then, pfft, you know, uh, and it's not what they wanted it to be. It's not what they meant it to be. So, uh, you know, they, they don't even know who's going to gather this riches after they're done heaping it up. Uh, verse 7, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. And so just you see how, how this is when we start out our prayer times. Oh, I'm so frustrated with this person in this situation. You know what? I just need to shut my mouth and put a lip covering over it. And I just need to go to the Lord. And you go to the Lord 
And, you know, I'd encourage you in these times to hit the deck, you know, get on your belly before the Lord and just pray. And, you know, as you're just praying and seeking the Lord, like he just completely like takes your mind away from that and he focuses it on him and he causes, you know, causes you to number your days. And man, he just starts revealing all kinds of things by his spirit in your life. And, uh, and not only that, David saw his own transgressions that he needed deliverance from. And as he waited on the Lord and hoped in the Lord, which verse seven, those are synonymous things. When we wait for the Lord, it means we're hoping in him. Uh, we're waiting on the Lord for Nepal. We're waiting on the Lord for just next step building wise, uh, waiting on the Lord for, you know, eh, eh, man, what's, what's Wednesday nights? We've been waiting on the Lord. For, you know, what, what, what's the next book we're going to after James? What's Wednesday night supposed to look like? What just, our hope is you, Lord, we're waiting. We don't want to move ahead of you or be behind you. We're just waiting on you. Um, verse nine, I was mute. I didn't open my mouth because it was you who did it. And remember verse two, David muted his mouth. He was silent in speech, but vocal in prayer. And it was the Lord that did this. Verse 10, remove your plague from me. I'm consumed by the blow of your hand. And made me think of our psalm from Sunday, just the chastening hand of the Lord. Uh, it's like a plague. It's like arrows, Psalm 38 said. Um, verse 11, when with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor, Ceylon. And I hope that you guys have all felt those times of just the Lord chastening and correcting of sin because it means that he loves you. It means he's a father dealing faithfully with his son, melting us, just, you know, causing us to be broken and weeping and, and you know, snot running down the face and wailing and trembling. And God, we, I, have, I am undone before you. I am broken because of my sin. Um, we melt away like a moth. We're, we become a vapor in another sense. Verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Time and time in the scriptures, we see this concept of the pilgrim. And I mentioned on Sunday, one of my favorite new reads right now is Pilgrim's Progress. We're reading it with the kids. And, and the guy's name is Christian, and he is just going through this life as a sojourner, this world is not his home. He's looking for the celestial city, that heavenly place where righteousness dwells. And, uh, and that's, that's us as well. We are pilgrims. We don't, camp, we don't build our home with big foundations here because this isn't where our home is. It's somewhere else. And Hebrews 11 says that all of our fathers who went before us, they died in faith, even though they hadn't received the promises here on earth. But they saw them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And uh, verse 13, remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. And so just that heavy hand of the Lord, uh, what did he say? Uh, he was speaking of, I'm consumed by the blows of your hand. The Lord was dealing with David as he just went to prayer and he said, okay, Lord, like, I, uh, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed here with the conviction and the heavy hand upon me. Like, remove it away from me. Um, Job writes that in 7.17. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? And I was reading that this morning as I was studying, and I was like, man, isn't that 
how many of us don't think that the Lord does that and has his eye on us like that and is that involved in our life and aware of our life and the God of heaven is consumed with our life that, man, he is testing us every moment. Verse 19, how long will you not look away from me and let me alone till I swallow my saliva? <laughs> you know, and that's our last verse tonight, actually. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, just Job is like, Man, the heavy, I know, right? Well, there you go. I guess we're ready to go home. Um, but man, the, that when the hand of the Lord is heavy, man, man, it's just, it, it is strong. Those arrows that pierce. And so what do we do, man? We go back to the, the hope of the Lord. What do I do? Verse 7 said, now, Lord, what do I do? What do I wait for? My hope is you deliver me from my transgressions. And so, that's just how we're going to uh, close in prayer and worship tonight is um, waiting on the Lord, hoping in the Lord, not hating the ch- chastening of the Lord, not hating the, the heavy hand of the Lord tonight where he's bringing conviction for our sins, embracing that, bringing it in. That's, that's a gift from the Lord and letting it dig deep and press down and let him show us what we're, how we're sinning with our mouth, perhaps um, in our heart, with you know, other members that need to be reckoned dead to sin, but alive to God. And, uh, and just praying that even tonight, the Lord would deal tonight with us and that he would be able to remove his gaze from us with discipline because he's dealt tonight. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and move to prayer and uh, we'll do a couple songs just here tonight and in prayer and then we'll uh, have the kids come out.